All of the newest episodes of Note to Self are now available on the Luminary Podcast app. It's free to download, and you can also listen to other podcasts from WNYC Studios, like Radiolab, Two Dope Queens, Snap Judgment, Here's the Thing with Alec Baldwin, and others. Luminary Premium is the only place where you can enjoy the entire new season of Note to Self, plus new original podcasts you won't find anywhere else, from Trevor Noah, Roxanne Gay, Guy Raz, Lena Dunham, and many more. And you can enjoy them ad-free. Start your free trial by going to luminary.link slash note to self or download the Luminary app for free. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi, and this is WNYC's Note to Self. So I guess I generally consider myself uh, a person who is pretty good with technology the show where you and I find balance in the digital age. Is anyone else out there feeling as grossed out by this as I am? And figure out how to manage modern life. It's our bi-weekly segment, Question of Note, because every good question deserves a good answer. So I'm just wondering <laughs> what's the answer? Because ah, so, okay. I could use some help. This week's question comes from me. I just feel so incredibly annoyed at technology makers who constantly want to get in my face. I get in a cab, there's a screen in my face. I go on my phone, I get notified constantly. I read an article and a pop-up ad blocks me from reading. And I get that some of this is on me. I need to turn off my notifications or, you know, just turn off my phone in general. But is there an alternative Is this the business model that we are now stuck with, that I need to hand over my eyeballs, my attention, my time, and in return, I get the tools to live my life? What else could there be? What can I do about this feeling that I'm completely powerless? And I know a lot of you have been asking that question, too, because we do get emails about this all the time. So... I have with me here to answer this question, Tristan Harris. He is a successful entrepreneur. He is based in Silicon Valley. He is all about this issue. Hi, Tristan. Hey. So Tristan, you're a designer. You're a philosopher. You're an entrepreneur. You sold your company to Google in 2011. But really what you've been working on, what you've been focusing on is something that you call design ethics. How do you define that? Well, we live in a unique period where – a small number of people who work within a radius of 50 miles of San Francisco go to work every day, and they make some choices about how things are designed in technology products. And those 50, mostly men, mostly young, you know, age between 25 to 35, and I look like one of them, I am one of them maybe, (laughs) um, they make these choices, and whether they want to or not, they affect how a billion people spend their attention. And how do so how do those people, those 50 people, how do they measure success right now? Like what is success for them? Every player is trying to figure out every player, I mean every service, every app, every website is just trying to figure out the best way to get people to stay on their website. Uh, I know this because uh, my last startup actually helped online publishers do that. Uh, and that's sort of a moral conundrum that I felt like I faced as a founder, and that's actually why I care a lot about this issue is, you know, I'd walk into an office of an online publisher and say, we can double or triple the amount of time people spend on your website. 
which is great for publishers and it's great in small doses. But then there's this question of when everyone's trying to do that. And that's the game that everyone plays and everyone finds new and more persuasive ways of tapping into those instincts. Where does it leave all of us? You know, do we, how do we feel about the way that our time is spent? Okay, so they want us to stay on websites as long as we possibly can. But what about other things like apps? They are trying to get our attention all the time with notifications, right? Right. We live in this kind of global virtual attentionville city of a billion (laughs) people, right? And these 50 technology designers who go to work every day have become the inadvertent urban planners of that city. And they make these choices, and it's almost like they're deciding how wide the sidewalks are and whether there's blinker signals or traffic signals at lights. When they make those decisions about the default settings of notifications or the layout of you know, apps on your home screen or how things scroll. And so the first thing, I think, is to give us better ways of, of operating within that city. Let's take an example of uh, chat because we all get interrupted from chat all the time. So let's say there is two people. There's uh, Nancy who wants to work on a document. She opens up this document, wants to hunker down and get some writing done. And then there's John. And John suddenly remembers, oh, I I need to ask Nancy for that thing. So what does he do? He opens up a chat window, you know, fires off the message, and it just completely bulldozes Nancy's attention, Mm -hmm. right? And we've all been there and it happens all the time. And every single time it happens, it takes us about 23 minutes on average to resume focus after an interruption. So it's a really big problem. I've heard that statistics. It's it's frightening. Yeah. <laughs> and we all face it. Um, so, you know, how would you fix it? Well, what if we gave Nancy a new choice, uh, almost like a, a, a traffic lane that she could get into that says, I want to be focused. And so in the focused lane, when John wants to send her that message, it could queue up the message and deliver it to her after she goes unfocused so that while she's working, she can stay focused and John can still get the thought off his mind now, but it won't get delivered until after Nancy comes unfocused. So you're saying I'm writing in a doc, I'm Nancy, yeah. and then I there's maybe like a little button that says, boop, focus mode, meaning like nobody can get to me right now because I'm in the zone, I'm in my happy place, I'm writing stuff and I'm in the flow and all those things. And then once I come out of my happy place or my focus zone, then I see that there's a message there from John waiting for me. Exactly. And But does John know that his message hasn't gotten to me? That's the key part. Yeah, exactly. So John knows when he sends the message, it says to him, so it's very clear, this message is queued up and will be held until Nancy goes unfocused. And what now, if John is like, whoa, she really needs to know this. Exactly. I'm so putting that's, in the order for lunch, man. Exactly. So that's <laughs> so that the, the most important part of fixing it would be that there's a clear way for him to escalate any message. But what we're doing is changing the default interruption. He only interrupts when it's a conscious choice as opposed to an accidental or mindless interruption. The second thing is to change what people are competing for. Hmm. You would have products that are essentially measuring their success in their net positive contribution to your life. I need an example. If you didn't know Couchsurfing uh, before Airbnb was a a marketplace where people who had an extra couch uh, could lend space to uh, people who were looking for a place to stay when they travel to Paris or something like that. And the way that Couchsurfing measures success is they say, if I was going to Paris and I was staying there for four days, And they would estimate how many hours would happen in those four days between me and the person who hosts me in Paris. And then they would ask both people, how positive were those hours? Did you have a good time together? So they're getting kind of a count of the number of positive hours. 
And then what they do is subtract all of the time that both people spent on Couchsurfing's website. They take that as a, as a cost to people's lives. And what you're left with is just these new net positive hours that would have never existed if Couchsurfing didn't exist. And so this is how they measured success in 2007. And, and did it work? Like, how, are they still doing that? Uh, well, <laughs> that's a good question. The company's actually been through a transition. And uh, so there's no one from the original team who was there in 2007 is actually at Couchsurfing anymore, as far as I know. Like, as somebody in the biz, like, could, I don't know, like, could Tinder, I assume it's based on how much time we spend, or I'm not on Tinder because I'm married, <laughs> but if I were single, how much time I would spend on Tinder, like, just spend time on there, and then, like, success would be, like, actually finding somebody? Exactly, yeah. So the idea is, um, right now, again, anyone who's playing in the traditional attention economy has to measure success by the amount of time that people spend. Tinder, in this case, actually does measure the success in terms of the number of swipes per day. Swiping is the success. Right. And so that, that doesn't seem right. You know, imagine if instead people counted as success whatever they were looking for, if people found whatever they were looking for. So you get some sense of, you know, for people who are looking for whatever they're looking for, did they get it? <laughs> Without whatever being too, you're whatever for. you're looking for. <laughs> so, <laughs> we won't be too specific. Okay. So I just want to bring it back to this, though. There are, you know, billions of us using these apps, using these websites. But how do we influence those 50 people back in San Francisco? How do we change the incentives for them? Well, that's the kind of conversation that I think I want to help create. If you're a fledgling entrepreneur and you're starting your thing, success is measured by how much engagement you have, even before you're making money, right? You raise and money and capital from investors based on how much traction you get in the form of how much usage you get, how much time you take from people. So we, we have to have a new conversation about how we want to measure success. And this is really a conversation more for designers than it is for the public, but this is, we need more public pressure, I think, you know, on, on technology and designers to, to help us live this life. And you know what, though? I don't think it is just for the technologists to have this conversation because I think the knock-on effect of technologists going after attention is that regular people are going after attention. They go on Facebook and post the most inane bull because they want attention because we've been told that this is what is valuable. And as a result, there's so much crap out there in the world that we feel overwhelmed. Right. And I think some people are just like, enough, like enough. I mean, when I think about what's what's at stake, you know, how do you characterize the problem? I think of it as something like, a new kind of pollution. Like what quality of attention or presence does it enable us to bring to our lives, to the people that we care about, to the things that we want to be doing in the world? Tristan Harris, thank you for giving us some, I think what I liked about this is those were concrete ideas, things that we can visualize yeah. that maybe our future can look like and maybe we can take back this sense of ownership or... Um, feeling good when we use our tech. And um, I look forward to that day. So thank you. Me too. Thanks. Okay, so before we go, I'd like to add that I know a lot of you listeners are very aware about this attention economy issue, and some of you are just going ahead and tackling it yourselves. Several listeners have emailed me with various tech solutions. In the United Arab Emirates, Mohit Loda is making a device he calls the offline switch. Brad Boss in Dallas, Texas, tells me he's working on an invite app that he has named Just Us, No Phones. 
And Kelly Barrett, a yoga instructor in Washington, D.C., she's putting together a workshop that she has named The Self and The Selfie. Kelly, I want to hear more about how you're convincing your yogis to cut out the distracting Instagram notifications in service of deeper self-reflection. Love all the individual efforts out there. We're curious about what's working for you, too. And we've got a big project coming up in the fall all about cutting through the noise to get to what's really important. We've got a survey on our website where you can tell us more because we're designing this project and we want your input. We don't complain here. We do stuff. But we want to make sure we do it right, so we need your input for sure, okay? Note to selfradio.org. Next week, we're going to dive deeper into the methods that are used to hold our attention and make our online experiences better, whether they're better for us or better for the people who are actually making the stuff, making the money. I become part of the design process at Etsy, and I also kind of lose my mind going online shopping. And I recorded it all for you subscribe to this podcast so that it just poof shows up in your feed no notification it's just gonna be there it's pretty cool i'm anoush samarodi this is note to self thanks so much for listening i don't want to be vigilant about the technology that i'm using <laughs> speaking of being interrupted speaking of being interrupted Stan's phone just went off yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> See, we, none of us have control. None of us have control, <laughs> uh, especially me.